Hi there, it is Sophie Kwok, your host of the Love Intently podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little different. I'm bringing on one of my favorite people, Annabelle Dura, to talk about the attachment theory and how the book Attached by Amir Levine changed our lives and relationships this year. Annabelle is a Los Angeles-based writer and entrepreneur who believes that the key to unlocking life's purposes is by living vulnerably, practicing creativity, and embracing community. She is the author of Into the Darkness, a workbook for trauma survivors created from her own experience with mental health and sexual trauma. Since then, she has been passionate about creating tangible worksheets, experiences, and tools to heal through hardship and to live a purposeful life. She does share a little bit about her trauma, so just as a trigger warning, but we don't go into depth here at all. I am big on choosing words and themes to intentionally own for the year. And after reading the book Attached at the end of 2017, I decided to own the word secure and was determined to move into a more secure attachment style. It all started because a close friend of mine highly recommended it and said that it would change my life. And I can honestly say I am a different woman because of it. And before we dive into the conversation here, I want to give you a high-level understanding of the theory. There are four main attachment style types. They're secure, avoidant, anxious, and anxious avoidant. These attachment styles are based on your childhood or family of origin experiences along with the experiences you've had throughout your life. And I actually created a quiz that you can find at loveintently.com if you're curious about your attachment style. If you're anxious, you love to be very close to your romantic partners and have a capacity for great intimacy. You often fear, however, that your partner does not wish to be as close to you as you would like to be to him or her. Relationships tend to consume a huge part of your emotional energy. You tend to be very sensitive to small fluctuations in your partner's mood and actions. And although your senses are often accurate, you take your partner's behaviors very personally. You experience a lot of negative emotions within the relationship and can get easily upset. And as a result, you tend to act out and say things that you later regret. If the other person provides a lot of security and reassurance, however, you're able to shed much of your preoccupation and feel contented. Secure means that being warm and loving in a relationship comes naturally to you. You enjoy being intimate without becoming overly worried about your relationships. You take things in stride when it comes to romance and don't get easily upset over romantic matters. You effectively communicate your needs and feelings to your partner and are strong at reading your partner's emotional cues and responding to them. You share your successes and problems with your mate and you're able to be there for him or her in times of need. Being avoidant means that it's very important for you to maintain your independence and self-sufficiency. You often prefer autonomy to intimate relationships. And even though you want to be close to others, you feel uncomfortable with too much closeness and tend to keep your partner at arm's length. You don't spend time worrying about your romantic relationships or being rejected. You tend not to open up to your partners and they often complain that you are emotionally distant. In relationships, you're often on high alert for any signs of control or impingement on your territory by your partner. And if you're still not sure, here are some things to think about. The level of your comfort with intimacy and closeness, or the degree to which you try to avoid intimacy, or your anxiety about your partner's love and attentiveness and your preoccupation with the relationship. In different seasons and with different people, I can exude both qualities. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just good to know and be aware of, to have language around so that you can talk about it and process it and heal and ultimately move more towards care. 
Now, if you remain oblivious and refuse to reflect on these things, you will probably stay the attachment style you currently are at. I will say you probably won't have as healthy of a relationship as you would if you were secure and able to talk about and share these things with your partner, which is why I dove so deep into it is because I know it's my full responsibility to the work that only I can do so that when I do find my potential mate, I am doing my part in talking to hundreds of couples at this point. One thing that I see often kills relationships is one or both partners refusing to do their own work. So anyways, for me, the reason that I dove into this is after months of a friend recommending this book to me, I finally decided to download the audiobook and listen to it as I drove back to Houston for a wedding this time last year. And on the way to this wedding, I realized that I have a strong avoidant attachment style and that there's a slight chance I might be anxious avoidant due to struggling with low self-esteem, especially when it came to dating. I remember thinking of all of the weddings I've been to, which has been a lot, this would be one I would meet someone really amazing at. Just because of the friend that I knew was getting married and I knew her since I was 16 and I knew that if there was anyone that she wanted me to meet, she would make sure that it happened. And of course, I sit down at my table and immediately I'm like, oh, hey, and this guy and I flirt a little bit and we dance for most of the night, but I watched my avoidant attachment style get triggered and I immediately stop being myself and start pulling away. I remember it being this bizarre experience because my friends that knew him were all about it and said so many good things about him that night, but I was freaking out and just could not fully show up as myself. And I could see him really confused. And it's like he saw a light switch of one minute I was this secure, confident woman and the other minute I'm just trying to run away. It was a really fun night, even though I was freaking out and it didn't go anywhere. But afterwards, I was determined to move more into secure attachment style because a lesson that I kept repeating itself was that my biggest barrier to love wasn't going to be finding it, but to learn how to receive it and let it in. And one thing I realized is that, especially when it came to dating, I saw how much I was getting into my own way and my inability to show up fully as myself. As I started reflecting on my attachment style, it unlocked another layer of self-awareness and healing. And so naturally, I shared what I was learning with everyone in my life including Annabelle. I think I had just cried to you one too many times about this guy and you were finally like, please read this. And so I was like, okay, fine. And, but I mean, it had to, I had to like cry enough times to get to the point where I was going to take ownership over like taking the next step. But yeah, I did. And it did totally change my life my understanding of my relationships, which is pretty dope. So I walked away from that guy. So So what attachment style are you and how did you find out? When I read the book, I was anxious, but now am secure. So when I started the book, I was definitely anxious. And like while I was reading the book, I became more secure because I was able to pinpoint the things that made me anxious and I had started working on them. A lot of what the book did for me was give a language to the way I was feeling. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things Mm -hmm. that it talks about is how you're not wrong to feel what you feel. It's not that you're too needy, which is something I had been called a lot in my previous relationships. It's just that I haven't met anybody that can meet my needs. 
and that's it's okay. It's been interesting for me because I take the quiz. It either scores me as secure or anxious. But when I look back on my patterns, I see a lot of avoidant tendencies and a lot of it has to do with the way I was raised. And so I think I might either be both or it depends on the person, which makes sense. But I feel like a lot of what I've been attracting lately brings out the more anxious side of me and my natural inclination is to then just push them away. There's the old Sophie that would have sat and tried and been the savior of it. And I think that was what I was when I was younger. And now on this side, I think I swung to the other side of the pendulum where I'm like, nope, I'm definitely not texting them first. If they want to see me, they will. (laughs) It would just get healthy in some regard, but in a serious relationship, I recognize that that wouldn't. Right. I also think different people bring out the different sides to you. Even the guy that I was dating when you recommended this book, I was anxious at the time and I noticed that he was avoidant. But because of that, because that I because of the fact that I had to maneuver through that relationship, it made me a little bit more secure. So even though it technically would have been an unhealthy relationship permanently, it was like a good ground, like training ground for me to learn how to identify what I was saying and stick up for myself and say, hey, I need this. And so that helped me become a... So he ended up bringing out my secure side a little bit. I don't think that's Mm. totally usually how it goes. (laughs) And now the guy that I'm dating is also very secure, but he'll have anxious moments. And I have a hard time soothing him in those moments. I actually have found myself becoming a little bit more avoidant sometimes. But now that I have this language to be able to talk about and identify that, it doesn't ever get to an unhealthy level. level. It's always, oh, I see this is happening and I don't need to be reacting this way. Let's figure out why I'm reacting this way because there's always a reason. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that, that how your the relationship before your current one made you more secure yeah. because you're able to stand up for it. And that's something too is I realized that as I moved more towards secure and just was able to have this language and explanation around it, all of my close girlfriends have as and I find that so interesting when we change in a relationship, like genuinely no one around us can really stay the same. Um, has that kind of been true for you or how has the attachment style and sharing with people in your life been? It's been awesome to share with my friends because I'm able to help them spot out like a dangerous character. Or help them, again, I keep coming back to like giving language to the things that are bothering you. Because if you can't call them out, then you can't do anything about it. I remember when you were just considering starting to date this, the guy that you're currently with, you were pretty unsure about it. And, but like the attachment theory, I remember you talking to me a lot about that aspect of it. How has it impacted your relationships since? I had like a solid four months of genuine freaking out with the guy that I'm with currently. Uh, and it was it was a lot of uncovering what I believed I deserved. He he taught he the way he loves people in general is really beautiful. And I remember as his friend, never like really being attracted to him in that way, but I remember thinking, the girl that ends up with him is going to be the luckiest girl alive because she's going to feel so loved all the time. And I just never, ever thought that I would have something like that. Or 
that it would be me. <laughs> so little did I know the whole time I was thinking that he had eyes for me, which was crazy. And so finally, when we started dating and he expressed his feelings for me, it was I had a lot of like I put two hands up and just like kept pushing him, pushing him away because I, I couldn't accept it. I couldn't accept the love that he had for me. In in my experience, it had par- like his pursuit of me paralleled so deeply my the growth of my faith and God's pursuit of me in in my really dark moments and so a lot of that those like the memories of I felt like a little girl like trying to figure out life again when with him sometimes and that was really hard it was really really hard to sit through that and accept that love and it was hard for him because all he wants to do is love me and I'm not like it's like him wanting to love me is making it worse and we're like what's going on Mm -hmm. so we actually ended up breaking up um I broke up with him because I just needed time to regroup and make sure that I was choosing to be with him because it was my choice not because I didn't want to make him feel bad for not you know so I just let him like choose me and so in that time, which was only a few weeks, but it was like, it was long enough for me to say, like, no, I really do care about him. This love is scaring me because it doesn't look like what I've had. But what I've had hasn't been healthy. And that's where I tie this book back into the story is that uh, Attached taught me all of the signs to s- see the unhealthy moments in my, in my past relationships. And, but it, like, <laughs> there's like a chapter missing on like, what happens when you're moving from an unhealthy relationship into a new healthy relationship and like what that does to you? <laughs> yeah. That was like real life of how you maneuvered catching yourself, like moving into a healthy relationship and saying yes to that, even though it felt uncomfortable and unnatural. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention on this journey of owning secure as my word for the year is a big part of that was actually me choosing to go on at least 12 first dates in 2018, which isn't a lot for some people fully acknowledge, but for Sophie Kwok, (laughs) it's a lot, like a lot. It is like 400% more dates than I went on for the last like five years of my life. (laughs) So um, 500, as far as first dates goes, like, and a part of that was because I was so avoidant. And now with dating, I have to triple check myself because there's some guys that I'm super attracted to, but can can immediately pretty clearly tell that they're avoidant and have to be like, look, mm-hmm. this is they're attractive to you for these reasons, but like long term wise, this is not gonna work. <sighs> then there's like the more stable, kind of boring guys that I have to really give an extra chance to because and I probably think that because they're secure and because there's like less drama, less chase on my end. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that reminds me of something that did go through my head a couple of times when my boo now and I started dating for until like maybe this month, which is it's been eight, I would say like eight months. I wasn't sure if I cared for him because Mm. I could choose it as a friend. But more than that, I wasn't sure. And it was because the last time I remember falling in love that feeling that everybody talks about, like the, the, your breath getting taken away and like, you can't concentrate and like, you're like, your nerves are, or like, like buzzing. Um, that's actually my, that 
I under I learned after reading this book that that was my anxious attachment style being triggered, not falling in love. And so I had to remind myself when mm-hmm. when I was bored with him, I was like, no, this is love isn't supposed to make you freak out all the time. You can you can you know like feel like your heart skips a beat and butterflies in your stomach. But if it's making you sweat and like be anxious, it's probably because you're anxious, <laughs> not because you're falling in love. And so being okay with that and letting him love me the way a secure person loves was like, he was schooled me. He didn't even know it. That was a trip. Mm, yeah. And even you talking about this, I'm like, ooh, this <laughs> happened to me recently. So I went on a date with one guy and he was very emotionally intelligent, but he was the kind of guy that was at a job and he was really happy at and wanted to be there for like the rest of his life. And he had done a ton of inner work. And so that was pretty attractive to me. And he asked me to go on a date with him that following Saturday, but I'd also met someone else who I would say is more avoidant and more of my typical type. And I decided to go on the date with the other guy instead of the secure guy. The secure guy texted me again as a secure person would to like check in on me. And I was like, shoot, like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I just like, wasn't that interested. And then he said something like, I also started seeing someone exclusively just wanted to let you know, as a secure person would. And my immediately reaction was, oh my gosh, I am so happy for you. And was took a deep breath because I didn't have to go and dish the rejection and I could just avoid it or whatever. But like, gosh, so he was actually a really great guy and would have been an amazing partner, but I I couldn't even go there. And that's an instance where I should have given him a second Mm -hmm. chance, you know, and I'm super happy that he's in a relationship that he's happy with. But that's a perfect example of me choosing someone who's more avoidant. What's normal to me compared to the past, someone who would actually be healthy. Yeah, it's been a lot of redefining normal and I feel kind of bad that I said that like love is boring because it's not. I think that I had to redefine what what love looks like and learn how to love securely. And that is actually way more fruitful and way more fun because you feel more at ease. There's like a sense of peace and confidence with your partner that you don't get if you're anxious. Like I never felt that peace and confidence with somebody that I mm-hmm. thought I was falling in love with. We're so lied to. Disney lied to us so hard. I'm <laughs> so mad about it. <laughs> I know. Who would think that the person that you could be with could just like be honest with you and stable and secure? <laughs> right. And that to be in a healthy relationship, so many of us requires us to be a heroine of our story. Like we can't just lay around and wait for it to happen. Like we have to put in the yeah. work. That is the best advice I've ever gotten about like, I knew you were going to say that because she told me this like 500 times too. Yep. Yep. And it's to do your, the damn the work. The only you can do because your partner can't do it for you even when you find them. I want right. to talk about right. what you've done to move towards a more secure attachment style. Well, at first it was like, am I loving the drama or am I loving my partner? That's a big one. I And this is kind of an old habit that I squashed a while ago, but that create that creating drama just so I can feel like the person like is attracted to me. I'll be like, I used to be, this is like high school and, and a little bit through college, a lot, a bit through college, which is like being slightly manipulative, playing hard to get and all this stuff, which actually it came up 
my partner recently did something that kind of hurt my feelings. He didn't mean to, obviously. It was just like an innocent mistake. I don't even remember what it was. But I didn't – and I usually respond if I'm busy like, hey, I'm busy. I'll call you later. Very communicative. Always have been. And this time he like called me and texted me, asked, asked me if, he was, if I was okay. And I just didn't respond. I was just like, screw you. <laughs> because I haven't done that in so long, it felt really uncomfortable. And then it was even worse when I had to like, when we sat down to have the conversation and I was like, yeah, I was being really immature. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to admit it, but I admitted it. So it's been, so to move towards being more secure is admitting when you're having those moments. And that was like conversations that I had with the other guy that I dated that was avoidant. I was forced to say, this makes me uncomfortable, or this makes me feel lonely, or this makes me feel really bad. I wish you had done this, or I wish we dealt with it this way, or this is what I needed from you. That takes emotional intelligence. So going back to what Lynette said, do mm-hmm. the work. <laughs> yeah, that's key though is, is like first it was like just bringing awareness to it because when you're aware, you can choose differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that self-awareness mm-hmm. and growth, like a desire for growth have been too – values that I must see in in friends even that I hold closely and a potential partner in yeah. both business and in life. I know for me that's been massive as far as using or having the word secure for the year is like when I had to have accountability that I was going to reflect on that in my life. And that's a lot of why mm-hmm. I started the hashtag secure soap was like I needed something that I would be held accountable Love that, by to the write way. about. And a huge yeah. part of it is sharing with friends that I trust and having them call me out on it. You and my right. roommate even will – I'll come back from a date and be like, well, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And they'll ask me questions on it to really get at the point of am I just being hyper-avoidant? Is this person actually bad for me or is there really not a connection? Like what else have you done to do the work to move more towards secure? I asked people who are healthy what they do. <laughs> I actually am very observant. I watch how like people who look really happy together and how they interact and how they communicate. You know what's interesting? Something that's made me feel even more secure in my relationship lately is surrounding myself with friends that love me no matter what. Mm. And it's like so such an obvious thing, but I realize that a lot of my um, hesitation or insecurity about dating the guy that I'm with now was squashed after I like spent some time with other pe- with him and other people that I knew. So like it was me, my boyfriend, the my roommate and her brother and we're all like friends and it was like the first time we all hung out together. And they didn't make me feel weird for accepting love that I that I felt weird accepting. They were, it it was like their presence and their energy around it. And them being there helped me accept that Mm. love for me. And so I felt a lot more secure in my relationship after that night. It was a really interesting thing. And I haven't done very much reflection on it, which is another thing that would, that has really helped me is like journaling through thoughts and emotions and stuff. But that was really interesting to me. And I knew that they wouldn't, they wouldn't want any less for me. And they wouldn't accept any less. Yeah, like you were finally receiving the love that everyone wanted for you. Yeah, yeah. 
And that was like, oh, yeah. maybe I do belong here. Maybe this dress does fit. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it was really Yeah. A big thing really for cool. me was recognizing that so much of my avoidant tendencies were out of protection and fear. Like I was just doing it mm-hmm. to protect myself and it wasn't yeah. allowing the love that I actually desired in. Wasn't even just in romantic relationships. Like I saw this a lot in some friendships and my relationship with my family too. And it was just protective measures just in case you don't show up for me or just in case you're going to decide to bail Mm -hmm. on my life. I will be prepared for it and I won't need anything from you, but I will show up 150% for you if you ask me to type of thing. And like this also has to deal with the Enneagram type that I am, which is two. That's something that I had to like work really hard on. Actually, you're running, wanting to run away from all of this and putting up these walls purely because you're afraid, but that's not what you mm-hmm. actually want. Doing the work right. to to face all of my insecurities really And that's something that I think nobody talks about. To move towards secure means that you're going to face every insecurity and essentially break down every wall or barrier or protective measure that you have towards that. So there's actually so much deconstruction that happens when you become healthier. Yeah. Takes a lot of courage. How do you navigate your deconstruction phase? Yeah, it's been so hard. I won't lie, but a lot of it has had to do with surrounding myself with people that love me no matter what, like kind of like what you said. And ironically for me, that meant doing a lot less for people, like a lot less than what I thought was expected. And not in the sense that I don't show up for people because I definitely do still make an effort to do that. But I before was almost like overcompensating to then like prove my worth in people's lives and friends were grateful and stuff, but I always burnt out and was exhausted and they didn't want that for me. And so it was seeing people who would stop me and say, Hey, we actually care about your health more. It's great that you're doing this for us, but like, Mm -hmm. we don't need it. That really helped me reframe and reshape what I thought my worth was in people's life. And helps me move more towards secure because I was before only helping out of insecurity. Like it wasn't out of like a genuine secure place. It was, yes, I wanted to love them well and all that, but it was like out of insecurity that if I didn't do those things, they would no longer want me in their life. And I think I did that romantically too. And that's why almost choosing people that are avoidant or that need you or that is perceived to be able to be saved or whatever Mm -hmm. is attractive because I'm like, oh, I can make their life tangibly better in X, Y, and Z ways. And then they'll for sure need me or choose me. But that's just not how it works. And very rarely do those lead to healthy relationships. I think another big thing or tactic that they talk a lot about in the book is just working towards healthier communication, just saying the words of what you need or what you're afraid of or having the conversations and being brave to do that because we're all capable of it. It's just a choice. Even thinking back on, I would say like the last guy that I went on a date with, he was someone that I was acting like super avoidant with. Like, and I will say that he's avoidant, but I would wait hours to text him (laughs) back because he did. I felt like I had to play the game. Like he was someone that made me feel like I had to. Yeah. Which you're so great. I can't imagine anybody saying like, no, I don't want to hang out with you. Like, God, then they're really lame. Then I would be like, Sophie, what are you doing? (laughs) 
It's true. <laughs> That's really kind and sweet. Oh, uh, I did not pay her to say that, you guys. Uh, what did it feel like to learn about your attachment style for the first time? When I first read the book, I it took me a while to gain the courage to actually take this test. I didn't want to know what I was. Mm. I was like, I'm fucked up. <laughs> I don't want mm. this book to affirm that. And it didn't, actually. It told me I was more secure than I thought I was, surprisingly. After I got through that section, then it was better. And learning that at the time that I was an anxious attachment style felt like such a relief because then I was able to talk about it. Then I was like, oh, my feelings make sense. I've just been dating guys that are like hella avoidant. And they don't understand the way they feel. It's okay that I feel alone. Like, duh. It was it was really, 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 really yeah, nice. I think I had a similar experience. I immediately resonated more with the avoidant stuff because when I look back romantically in particular, like I have ridiculous stories like in middle school, there's a guy that I had a mad crush on. And then as soon as he asked me out, I literally never talked to him. <laughs> He was like, leave me my girlfriend. And I said yes. And I like wouldn't even hold his hand. I ignored him for two months and then we were broken up. And he was so early Sophie avoided. And then that trend. I know. There's like multiple stories like that where there was another guy that was really into me. And I mean, we're still friends and we like laugh about this now. But at the time, I know I totally broke his heart. And it was he was super into me. And I remember this one day in Spanish class and he was like, I would never date someone that's younger than me. And I remember being like, oh yeah. And then I got him to like me. And then as soon as he was asking me out and was super into me, I freaked out and was like, no, 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 no. Like you don't even know me. Like how could you possibly like me? And so I pushed him away. I think back on those times and there's like so many stories like that. So with avoidant, I remember thinking, wow, this also ties back to childhood. And I remember Mm. thinking okay, this is because of the way that you were raised. And my parents, I know they gave me an extra dosage of independence because I'm an only child. I remember them consciously telling me they were wanted to make sure that I was going to be okay alone. And so they really reinforced wow. that side of it and made me feel wrong for ever needing to depend on anybody, even emotionally. Yeah. And so just even understanding that and giving language to that and giving language to my parents' attachment styles, it gave me a lot more grace for myself and for them. And I remember it being a bit of a breath of fresh air, but then also having a realization there is a slight chance that I might be anxious avoidant in the sense that I also resonate with a lot of the anxious side of things when it came to romantic relationships too, depending on the guys. Like there was a side of it where I was pushing people away, but then there have also been on the counter of that guys that I've tried to be saviors to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when my more anxious attachment style came in. And those relationships were just as toxic and painful for me. And now it's completely transformed the way that I date and the type of partner I'm looking for. And even, I mean, naturally when I go on a date. People ask me what I do and stuff. So I'm talking about love intently. Sometimes they'll ask like, what are things that you've learned or whatever? And the attachment style comes up. So even being able to have a conversation with them up front of saying, you know, like historically, I can be pretty avoidant or anxious, like depending on who I'm with and here's what that means. And I don't think it's first date appropriate. Something that is just so healthy and helpful to have language around and talk about in a relationship. Yeah. I have a question for you. 
do you feel like you were good at spotting the smoking guns, as they call it, or the red flags? Yeah. And I... How? (laughs) I'm not. I'm so not. Well, I feel like I am now, now that I've experienced the other side. (laughs) So I don't know. I just, I am because I think it's like the way that they make me feel and the way that they respond to things. Yeah. And it's because I have experienced secure too. That's something else that has helped me become more secure is Mm -hmm. I have a tendency to also be more open to a romantic relationship with people that I am in transition. So for instance, like if I travel somewhere and I'm there for a long period of time and I meet somebody, I'm way more inclined to like go deep with them than somebody that's here in Austin because yeah, because you know I can run. I know and I can literally run away. And it's like, (laughs) oh sorry, distance just not gonna work. So one of (laughs) I've done this so many times. God. I know it's terrible. Or if they're going to move soon, then I'll be like, cool, let's be best friends right now and <laughs> know that like, oops, this isn't going to work because you're going to move. <laughs> this guy lived in a different city and I was pretty confident that he was like interested just the way that he was talking to me and I was definitely interested in him. And when we we're in, when I first left he was so good at communicating. Like he would, he would read something and instead of letting it just go red and not respond for a day, he would be like, Hey, I'm doing something right now. I want to respond to this later. And yeah. And instead of making me wait or whatever, or there were a few things like that. I'm like, Oh, so that's how you can do it. Like you can (laughs) read the message and tell them that you can't respond right now and respond later instead of having them sit on a red receipt and freak out about this deep thing that you just said. And so that's like an example or having other friends or guys show up securely for me showed me then Mm -hmm. whenever someone was hyper avoidant or anxious to one have had the book to like point to, but secondly, to have experienced what it feels like to be with somebody that wants to be with you or somebody that feels secure, that's very open and communicative. And knowing that the majority of singles are avoidant, but the majority of the world is not. The majority of the world's actually secure. That's something the book mentions. Mm -hmm. And so that's a breath of fresh air and knowing that. Like, yes, the single pool is generally more avoidant because singles or avoidance are generally more single. But also knowing that that, that you have options. Like, You don't have to choose. This is something else I've learned is like you don't have to date the guy that's an a-hole or the guy that parties all the time or the guy that doesn't understand why you're not drinking or the guy that won't respond to your messages for hours even though he's obviously been posting on Instagram and is with a bunch of people you know like whatever it is you don't have to be with that guy like those are all choices that you can make and I think a lot of it has to do with us looking on the inner world and really looking deep on what we believe about ourselves and the love that we deserve and the love that we actually want and being brave enough to go and get it, face the potential of getting your heart broken massively or or potentially screwing it up instead of running away from it because it's scary. Yeah. You reminded me of the first time I experienced secure love that was not romantic and 
it was a time period after I had experienced sexual trauma and I was healing and I was figuring it out. (laughs) All of the attention I got from males, they just like wanted to get my pants. It was exhausting. And I definitely invited some of that attention because that's how I validated myself. I recognized myself chasing that a little bit. And then other times I didn't realize I was doing it. And then it was also like I'm in college and there are some guys that are not as mature there that they're doing that too. So the first time I remember meeting this guy and wondering what was wrong with him or me that he didn't want to have sex with me. Like I could just tell. Like you're I was like you're not interested in me. What is why? And I was like kind of angry about it, <laughs> you know. But he's like stuck by me and like was and we we like opened up to each other enough and so I was comfortable with having that conversation with him. I also tend to be a little bit more confrontational, so especially with guys. Mm. And I wrote a whole blog post about it because it really sh- it shifted my understanding of what was possible in men and in friends and in love. Just just having this one guy just be my friend because he wanted to be my friend. This is something that's changed a lot for me is having the courage to bring things up with people in general in moving away from being avoidant and moving more towards secure is historically – I mean, this is what I was taught growing up is to sweep things underneath the rug. They're not that big of a deal. It's not worth bringing up or whatever. Whereas actually like this year, I – in my close relationships where there is conflict, I'm way more comfortable bringing it up in a very mature manner and and just saying like, hey, this is what's been going on for me and I'm sure you don't feel that or didn't intend for this, but this is how it made me feel. And having those conversations directly came from moving more towards a secure attachment style. And then also even with friendships that with guys that are fuzzy, I am a lot quicker now to have the conversation of, Hey, I just want to check in. Like, what is this? Because historically I haven't been good at that. And I have so many good guy friends and that can get really confusing quickly. Nothing pains me more than to lose a friend out of hurting each other without even knowing it. Yeah, that is so important. That is to have that conversation is so important. And I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with girlfriends that are like, well, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to him because then he's going to like leave or it's going to make me sound like really needy. And I don't want to like, whatever, just it's not like, it's going to be good for both of you. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Good for you. That's a big one. (laughs) Yeah. And it's all about the way you approach it. Thank you. It's terrifying. It is so terrifying. And I remember the first time I ever did it, here's something I realized if for other ladies that are listening and ha- that struggle with having close friendships that they're unsure about or whatever. One of them was one of my best friends growing up. And this is going to be weird for my friends. I've known me for a long time. <laughs> I was so terrified of having that conversation with him, but I also came to the realization of like, no, like he really cares about me. We have been friends for mm-hmm. a long time. And if he does feel this way, then it'll be great and it'll be the start of something. Or if he doesn't feel this way, then I'll know and I'll be able to move on and just see him as a friend and a brother. Or the third option is like we could both feel the same way and choose that it's a bad time right now, value our friendship more and choose to not do anything about it. And that's what ended up happening. And that really taught me. I'm like the guys I'm super close with and where the lines are fuzzy, I think it's 
way healthier to just have those conversations up front because if not, if you go too long, someone always gets hurt, I think. Yeah. I think one of the reasons is you start making up stories about what's going on in that person's head, why they're doing what they're doing, what you should do and respond to this made up story in your head. (laughs) Yeah. It's, that's exhausting. You said that growing up, you were taught to sweep things under the rug. I was doing a little bit of research before we started talking and there's like a bunch of articles now that is that say like dating advice that old dating advice that we shouldn't follow anymore or like things that were rules for women when they were dating to like catch the perfect man or whatever. And one of them was to, to be silent and just make sure that his ego is stroked. This is probably more of our grandparents' generation. And I think that's why we see that struggle more in women, that uh, that fear of confrontation. Because culturally, we've been taught that if we speak up, we will automatically be undesirable. That's not yeah. true. Secure men love women who love themselves. <laughs> yeah, and that will freaking tell them what they need or want so they don't have to guess. That's been one of the hardest parts about becoming secure is me running love intently as I'm dating because it is Mm. already intimidating that I get to say I'm a founder of a company that I've already gotten like so many weird messages or I've shown up to dates where the guy – Oh, yeah. (laughs) This one guy was like, oh, my gosh, am I talking to a celebrity right now? Or just like make mentions like that and it just always makes you feel weird, you know? And (laughs) this one guy showed up to date and had listened to a few of my podcast episodes, which is so sweet and like had read all the stuff, but it was just jarring experience having him be like, so I heard that is maybe sweet, but I think it also, there is a boundary when you're first dating, you should let the person tell their own story. Don't try and go like figure out everything that you can, I think. But sorry to cut you off. I just feel very strongly. Yeah, and it's so okay for him to have done that, but it was really weird to have that brought up on the first date before I had any context for him. Right. So with that, like I do think my knowledge of all the frameworks of relationships of all the couples I've talked to like can be intimidating for guys. And so that's something that I've had to really unlearn or relearn and, and realize, hey, this is a part of me. And when I'm confident right. and show up fully myself, like that's when guys that I'm attracted to are most attracted to me. And that's when I meet people in person that mm-hmm. end up being something. And when I'm not and I'm just half of myself, it never works out. That's whenever they start detaching. And one thing I realized in the last couple of mm-hmm. days is when I feel insecure, I do one of two things I either shift or I detach and I avoid. When I shift, I'm shifting towards what I think they need me to be. And rarely am I right about Mm. that. And when I avoid, I just shut down. Instead of what would be the secure thing to do? The secure thing for me to do is instead of shifting. So here's a good example is one type of guy that I'm generally pretty interested in is someone who is more intellectual and there's a part of me from past childhood stuff that's insecure about me being smart enough. And I finally feel like this year is the first time where I had enough people tell me unsolicited that they thought I was really smart to be like, okay, 
Like that's not something I need to keep proving. It's something that I get just like get to live into. But I find myself doing this on dates is I will shift towards needing to have these deep intellectual conversations with them when their favorite people are typically probably not that yes, they appreciate those conversations, but like they also want to have fun. They also want to see these other parts of me that are actually way more me and the best parts of me. Example of that is like I will right. go into dates and like have all these like deep intellectual conversations and not show my fun side at all, which is bizarre because that's who I am 90% of the time. Like I'm ridiculous <laughs> and goofy and joke around. Yeah. And so that's like an example is just being confident in the things that I do know and the things that I don't know and be open to learning in that and being silly and fun and lighthearted and almost a protective mechanism because I am fully confident that my fun side wins people over, but I'm not fully confident that I'm smart enough to be in those relationships or conversations. Like that's almost an insecurity. So I like show up with that and here is – that side of me. So you decide if it's worth staying or not for, and it's just like all backwards. Yeah. You know what won me over when we met (laughs) for you? You won me over with the fact that you cared about my life and you use your intelligence and your knowledge, especially like in relationship stuff to help me with my shit instead of making me feel stupid that I don't know it. You're really, you are really smart. And I think it, you're just like really good at helping other people you help uh, move other people forward with that mm. wisdom and with that, which is cool, which is what this podcast is. <laughs> oh man, there's still a lot of work to be done, even though yeah. I'm a 500% more secure than I was when I started. Yeah, for all of us. So one massive thing for me with the attachment style is processing more things with my parents, which is something that I've talked about a lot. And even how this journey of Love Intently came about is processing things throughout my childhood. And I I freaking adore my parents and I'm so grateful for them. But I look back on some life circumstances and I understand now why I have built protective avoidant tendencies to self-soothe, to learn how to not be dependent on other people. And it's because I've had to. It's like of survival. And my dad is just a more avoidant. He's grown so much. And I think back on the way he was when I was younger versus who he is now. And I'm so proud of him. But some of those things I still carry with me. And I think that's a part of why I was so attracted to avoidant guys was because it was what I was used to, what was normal. And an instance is like my dad would go above and beyond as far as acts of service and do things for me. And that's how he showed love and would provide for our family extremely well. But when it came to emotional support, it was very sparse and like almost non-existent. With guys and romantic relationships, I think it's the same. It's like, oh, they'll go above and beyond and do all these things for me. And but like emotionally, they're kind of a-holes or like distant. Mm. I became a lot more accepting of that. And that's something that I just like need healing from. And another thing is there was a moment in realizing when some of these attachment or avoidant tendencies sparked. So like one of these moments has been a moment that I've had to go back and like forgive and heal from a lot was actually with my mom. Like she was like my favorite person ever, like my best friend, you know? Um, And when I was six, I kind of like I'd always grown up knowing that I was 
an uh-oh baby, like an accident. Like they weren't ex- exactly planning for me. And I'd always known that it had been difficult because of that, like financially and whatever. And so I think out of that, that's where a lot of my tunis kind of came from of being the helper and like wanting to prove that having me was worth it. But this one time my mom was at a dinner with, I don't know, probably about like 10 of her closest girlfriends and I was there and she said something along the lines of like, I cannot wait till Sophie is older. So she's not like so clingy and stuck to me. And I remember that being furious and being like, you know what? Fine. If you don't want me to be clingy to you, then I will never need you ever again after today. I was like so upset. Everything switched from that. And I remember like we fought a ton from that day forward. Reading this book, helped me realize that was one of those pain points that made me realize like, oh, even the person that's closest to me said the words like doesn't want me that close. I better Mm -hmm. learn how to not be and like not expect that ever. So like that's one of those moments that I've had to like work through so many times in my life. And and now it, it can talk about it without tearing up or anything because I've talked about it so much. But I had to realize like how much that correlation in that incident tied to my relationships today and even friendships and like my relationships with mm-hmm. women. I build protective measures because I'm just expecting them for them to pull the rug for me. And yeah. that's not a good setup for a healthy relationship. Recently, I have discovered a pain point with my mother, which I haven't talked to her about yet. And I don't know if I will. I don't know. if Maybe maybe it's worth having the conversation with her just to see how we've both grown since. But when I was, um, when I was younger, there were two things that would happen sometimes when I was really upset or emotional about something and I was sharing it with my mom. Um, one thing that would happen sometimes is if she, if I wasn't explaining myself fast enough, she would get impatient and just tell me to either suck it up and get over it or to to hurry up and spit it out. And so like her impatience like would really hurt me sometimes because I, you know, I was doing my best as like a kid that wasn't that emotionally intelligent, like just doing my best to try and communicate and it really hurt. And then the other thing that and so recently I caught myself doing that with my partner. Like I felt so guilty that that came out. Then he had done something that kind mm. of frustrated me. We were we were in an argument about something and he like really had a was having a hard time talking about what it was that was bothering him. He has grown so much since we've started dating in like the whole communication aspect of things and and I'm really, really proud of him because he's really put in a lot of effort to get better at that, um, to be able to communicate how he's feeling. But it tends to be a point where we sit in silence for a long time while he like gathers his thoughts and his words. I've caught myself so many times wanting to like lash out at him and be like, figure it out, like just spit it out. I like can't wait here anymore for you. In this particular moment, I wanted to say that and then didn't. And then, so I was able to hold my tongue. And then this, the thing that came out of his mouth was like, I need you mm. to like, like help me feel better about something. And my an instinct was to just, I responded in more rage. I like, I'm not going to take care of you. Like you need to figure it out, like whatever. And it was such a weird moment. And I was like, where did that come from? Cause that's not mm. me. And it's so interesting, like we were talking about earlier, how 
even as you as you move into being secure, you still are uncovering things because mm-hmm. you're still growing. And this was something that I uncovered like this past week or this weekend um, with my boyfriend. It was just like I have this like hard hard moment in my childhood from emotional moments with my mom that is now like boiling up um, when I feel like I'm I'm failing the relationship in some way. And so that's like my reaction is just like, just, just like figure it out, whatever. And so when I, once I was able to put that together, which surprisingly happened in that same conversation, I was able to like sit there while he was figuring out what he was going to say. I was like reflecting on like why I was being such a bitch Mm -hmm. and we were able to talk it through in that moment. And it was fine after that. He was like, Oh, this, I was like, this is why I can't show up for you right now. It's because you triggered something in me. And, you know, and we had the whole conversation. It was really good. Mm. But it was – I'm really grateful that we were able to work it out. But that was like a very strange moment that came up with something that I was like, my mom and I have a great relationship. She's awesome. Yeah. She's super cool. <laughs> like she's – been fairly like supportive of me my whole life like there's I don't really have many complaints she did a great job as a single mom that's hard yeah something else that has really helped me Mm -hmm. on this journey actually is learning how to voice my insecurities even when it doesn't feel natural and just being brave to be to say them because that has allowed me to actually hear the true story that is happening rather than the story in my head. So an instance is this whole idea of me thinking that love and me being the founder of Love Intently pushes guys away and makes it intimidating and whatever. And you know what? That might be true for a certain demographic of guys that probably aren't right for me. But the guys that I've been interested in. And when I talk about that, I'm like, so yes, I do this. How does it make you feel? Almost all of the time, the reaction is really positive. They're like, no, actually, I think it's really cool that you're into that and that you studied it and you're actually going for after things that you care about. And obviously the world needs more of this. I think it's really important. And so Mm -hmm. having that affirmation that I would have never had had I not been brave to just like to voice that little insecurity or even the like being smart enough thing. The way that that finally helped me push me over the ledge was having this conversation with a really good friend who is really well educated in this field. And somehow we started talking about things that we were insecure about still. And that was one of them. I'm like, yeah, I'm always terrified that Albie found out that I'm not smart enough. And he was like, that's so dumb because I think you're so smart. Like I just do. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, there's never been a day in our friendship that I thought you were dumb. He's like, yeah, you say stupid stuff sometimes. You're mostly joking. And that was like so reassuring and remembering like, okay, like I'm not stupid. I don't know everything, but I'm not stupid talks about that in the book like not to like not to be gender biased about things where generally because of our culture men show up as more avoidant but women can women are just as avoidant sometimes and men can be anxious too and it's like yeah I, a lot of it is we have to 
redefine our culture. And that's what the beautiful thing about culture and like the one thing that I learned in college as a communications major is that we create our culture. So if we don't like something, if we don't like the way it's forming us or the the way things are going, we have the power to change it. And the more accepting we are of of the truth of the matter like that we're all human the more we can allow others to be the same way so like the more we're secure like you said the more you're secure in the fact that you're a founder of a badass company then other people can be have the freedom to be secure about that too like oh yeah that's that's cool like we're not gonna second guess that or think weird things because you know there's no reason to i online dating was interesting to me i haven't I haven't gone out on too many dates from people that I've met on on dating apps, but I have had a few, and I've, they're like there's a very clear theme. I like guys that I think I was like going to, almost too safe, and in that they they were cute and they were smart, but they were also like kind of too quirky for me. And it was just like, there was, it was like, we would be perfect friends. Like I kept swiping on people that would be really, I'd be good friends with. Cause I was, uh, when I was on dating, dating apps, I think it, there was like this fear of being too vulnerable. And like, there was, mm. a, I don't know, or maybe I'm just like good at picking guys that are like good friends. <laughs> I don't think that's unhealthy, though. but some of the best relationships come out of friendship. It, it's frustrating when you're trying to get, go on a date with somebody you like want to yeah, go Yeah, but like you and your current boo thing started as friends, you know? Yes, that is true. That is true. He always says love is friendship on fire. I think so too. He's the first like serious relationship that I've had with somebody who was a friend first. I think that that's how I will probably succeed most with just like who I am. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing about all of this that I've realized is like in dating, the most successful and best thing you can do for yourself is just show up fully as yourself rather than like the shoulds and should nots. And even when you don't know what your full self looks like yet, as being honest in where you are in that yeah. journey too. Because that's your identity. Your identity is constantly developing and growing as you gain new experiences, I get stressed out about like, be yourself. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) Like, who am I? (laughs) Yeah. There's this song that I've been obsessed with. And it literally says that, like, how could you love me when I don't even know who I am? Yeah. I love it. There's a quote here that says dating is about finding out who you are and who others are. And if you show up in a masquerade outfit, neither is going to happen. I think that is so spot on and why I actually – Henry Cloud. Yes, Henry, Mr. Henry Cloud. Why I actually think um, giving people more chances is so important because it's so hard to show up fully as yourself on the first date. Even for – me who is actively practiced so hard to fully be able to show that I am fun and deep and all these things that I am. Yeah. I've been very blessed in that the people around me the past year, two years are like very comfortable with being themselves and being raw and just authenticity in general. Um, When I was at a coffee shop recently, I had this conversation with this guy who was had a sarcastic witty banter and I can keep up with that because my family is very like sarcastic and witty um and so it was fun to like banter back and forth with this guy 
Um, but then he like clicked on my Instagram and saw that I had uh, stories that said dad updates because my dad's been struggling with some stuff and I shared about it publicly. And so I was up like I just put some updates online. Um, and he was like, oh, what is this? And I would and I, you know, I explained to him, I was like, oh, my dad's really struggling right now. But you know, he's on the mend. And he was like, super, like his energy totally shifted and was super awkward. And I realized that not everybody is okay with, with that level of vulnerability or authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's just where they are in their journey. And um, that was that's up to him to work through and like I realized that his sarcastic witty wittiness was about more about um him not being comfortable with being with showing up and that was his mask and I could meet him there but I wasn't afraid to to take my mask off to be real and I think if we like if you're secure if you can do that for people it it really opens doors and opens eyes and hearts to see what what that can look like you know wow I'm really glad you brought that up because that's actually something I've been processing is I think I I can be too vulnerable too and I've started to feel bad about it um particularly in dating because a lot of people just aren't ready for that. And I don't know that that's necessarily what a first date needs to be, but I'm just so comfortable talking about these areas of my life because I had to do it publicly so many times. Which means the guy that you end up with is going to be so secure. It's going to be awesome. Because, I mean, think about, the first, <laughs> think about the first time that we, like, went to lunch. When we first hung out, we got real really fast. And it's because – we're both like like in similar parts or if not you may you were probably like a couple of steps ahead of the journey but we were kind of still in the same like in the journey together you know like if we weren't then we probably wouldn't be here right now we probably wouldn't be friends and you wouldn't feel bad about that you're just like oh that girl was just a cute but we didn't click <laughs> you know yeah or like I can still root from you for afar and there's obviously like much there are more stakes when it's a romantic relationship that you're pursuing rather than a friendship because you're a little bit more vulnerable. A place that I rethink this is when it's someone that I've met in person first and I actually am interested in pursuing something further rather than like a stranger. Because they've already – you feel like they've already put you in the box. Your first impression has been made. Mm -hmm. But again, it's one of those things where I'm like, dude, if you're not going to be down with these types of conversations, this relationship for sure is not going to work out. So Right. Right. Like, I don't even know if you could be my friend for a very long time without ever having these conversations. I think it's because we grow up, or at least I did. I can't speak for everyone, but culture that I grew up in, it's like if you talked about these things, it meant you were less lovable. Like, if these things were true of you, you were less lovable. And it's so far from the truth. Like, yeah. There's so much scientific research on how when you are actually more vulnerable, people connect with you more. And they then can grow more affection for you because they actually feel connected to you and things that you've experienced. And and so, yeah, like I really advocate and encourage people to show up as themselves. And then it's also like there are ways that people respond to certain things that and are an indicator of where they're at. And I think that's super healthy to be aware of. 
amazing, Annabelle. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Where can people find you and support you? People can find me and support me on Instagram at Anna's Banana123. I also have a workbook for trauma survivors called Into the Darkness. And the web, the Instagram for that is IT Darkness. And that's kind of where I live is on the gram. So connect with me there. I would love to have conversations yes. with anybody who wants to. Okay, what do you wish a younger you knew about relationships or love? Your relationship is a reflection of who you who you think you are in that moment and what you think you're worth. That love isn't this thing that's going to fix everything. It, you actually have to like do a lot of healing before you can get mm-hmm. to that place of being able to freely accept and receive love. We all have something that we're holding from. What is the best relationship advice you have ever received or could give? Do the work. <laughs> And, and that being vulnerable in your story is courageous and that it can inspire so good. others. What does love or love intently mean to you? Love is a choice, always. Love intently is love that has action in it. There's action in the definitions. You have to be intentional, thoughtful, respectful, and proactive about the way you choose to love. Thank you so much, Annabelle. This was a blast. And I'm just so grateful for your friendship. And yeah, I just want to like acknowledge you for all that you do and the community that you've built on Instagram. And I know you inspire so many and have been so brave and courageous to just talk through the things that you've been through. And I know for me, you were definitely one of the first people that I talked to when all of my stuff kind of got uncovered and didn't even know like how to begin processing everything um but you have been just one of my most cherished friends since we met so thank you for just being you and for loving me for just who i am (laughs) thank you so much for listening i've never quite done an episode like this where i'm sharing so much of what i'm learning personally as someone who is navigating dating and doing my own work that only i can do If this resonated with you and you'd like to see more episodes like this, please let me know. You can leave us a review on iTunes or take a screenshot and share on your stories and tell us what you're learning. Email me or DM me, whatever. I would just love to know what you learned and what resonated with you. And if I'm being honest, this is one of the most vulnerable things I've ever put on the internet. And there's still so much that I uncovered this year that I didn't quite go into. Some of which I don't know if I'm ready to share and others, well, we just kind of ran out of time. But if you follow the hashtag SecureSoph or me personally on Instagram at Sophie underscore Quack, I write quite a bit on my own journey and would love to continue the conversation there. Before I go, I'll leave you with this. The thing I would say to my avoidant self is that your greatest barrier to love isn't finding it. It's learning how to receive it and breaking down all of your safe, protective barriers that keep you from the love that you want. The thing that I would say to the anxious parts of me is that it is not your job to convince people to love you. They have to choose to, and they have and they will. And believing and knowing that you are fully lovable and loved is the healthiest thing that you can do for every person that cares about you. 
And lastly, the thing that I would say to the secure parts of me is that I am so stinking proud of you. It has been a really long and a hard and terrifying road to face every insecurity and look it in the eye and to choose to believe something differently. But you get to carry this all forward. And a quote that has really been resonating with me lately is by John Acuff an author who says that the scars that you share become lighthouses for other people who are headed towards the same rocks that you hit. And I would just say to myself, you are so, 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 so capable and worthy of love, both for yourself and for others. And you might be healing, but you're not broken. You are whole and you are enough. And while that is all, I just thank you so much for being a part of my tribe in this journey this year. It has been a beautiful couple of months being able to share my heart with you and to share all these incredible couples I've been having these conversations with. I cannot wait for season two of this podcast as we are bringing some incredible guests on to talk about some really important things. And again, if you're curious about your attachment style, go to loveintently.com to find out your attachment style. And until next time, with love and intention.